Welcome to the Next Level Youth Podcast. Here you will find sermons and content from Next Level Youth. We meet every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. at the Palace of Praise Church. We hope this content challenges and encourages you in your walk of faith. Let's grow in Christ together. Tonight we're going to focus on 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 9. Then we're going to talk a little bit about 16 through 18. I hope that you can track with me because we've got to move fast. Before I read these verses, a couple things you need to know as we get into this. One, Paul, the Apostle Paul, is the one who started the church in the city of Corinth, the town of Corinth. You can read about that in Acts chapter 18. You also need to understand that Paul planted the church. He departs. He writes 1 Corinthians as a response to what he's hearing. He gets reports about what's going on in Corinth. And if you know anything about it, Corinth was messed up. The church was messed up. So Paul writes some instruction to encourage and instruct the church to discipline them and disciple them. That's what he does. But here's what happens. Several people in the church... They reject Paul, and they reject what he said. And so Paul learns of this, and we'll get into why here in just a second. And Paul visits Corinth a second time. And then after he visits, we know this because of 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. And then Paul writes 2 Corinthians 2 to give some instruction and to remind these people that he loves them. And one of the main themes that we see in these verses, there was a reason that these people were not grabbing onto Paul. We'll get there here in just a second. But 2 Corinthians, Paul throughout the book is defending his ministry. Now, it's kind of hard as you sit here today to think, why would Paul, the Apostle Paul, have to, if you know anything about him, why would he have to defend himself? Well, there's a few reasons why, but one of the main reasons, and you can figure this out if you read this book, in its entirety, is that there were these group of people called super apostles. That's what Paul called them, and he was kind of being a little sarcastic. And what these super apostles accused Paul of, this is what they told the people, this is what they said about the apostle Paul. They said, the apostle Paul, you're poor. He said, they said, you suffer a lot. You sure do have a lot of problems for someone who's an apostle. And hey, guess what? We preach better than you do. That's what they said about Paul. And so some people started to believe this, and because of these accusations, they said these people claimed that the Apostle Paul was not an apostle at all, that he didn't deserve that title. So throughout the book, Paul is addressing all these accusations. And here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, if you didn't already get a grasp on this, Paul is specifically addressing the accusation that says, if you suffer like Paul is, there's something wrong with you. You're not a true apostle. You're not really apostle. You're not really following Christ. As you said, something's off. But that really wasn't the case at all. And we see this scattered throughout the book. And we see it right here in 2 Corinthians 4. Paul is making the argument that instead of suffering just being bad, even though suffering in and of itself, pain in and of itself is not good, the apostle Paul is making an argument that God always uses suffering for good, and that is, in a sense, the big idea of tonight is this. I'm moving as fast as I can. It is this. As our jars, as we waste away, we will suffer. As we waste away, you're perishing, you're dying, you're going to suffer. But God gives our suffering purpose. 
We're going to suffer, but God gives our suffering purpose. We'll talk about the idea we will suffer right here in this passage. To to discredit the Apostle Paul because of his suffering is absolutely preposterous. This argument holds zero weight at all. For someone to believe that when Jesus saves you from hell, he also saves you from ever suffering again is absolutely absurd. It's an absurd thought. It's contrary to the message of the gospel. It's contrary to the Bible. It's contrary to the words of Jesus himself. As long as you are breathing, you are going to suffer. And just a reminder, we can't hang out here long, but suffering is our fault. We chose it. We chose sin, and when we chose sin, we chose suffering. And we chose suffering, and we Live as we live, excuse me, in this world as a result of sin. It's a fallen world, and so we suffer. That was kind of a jumbled up mess. I apologize. But we choose suffering, we chose it, and we reap the consequences. And I'm just going to apologize to you about something. If you're in this room and someone sold you some false gospel that said if you would just pray a prayer and accept Jesus, all your problems are going to cease. If you were sold that and you believed it, I'm sorry. There are people that get sold that. If you believe, if someone told you that if you know Jesus, he will heal your body, I'm sorry. It's not here. If somebody told you, if you serve, people say these things. If someone told you that if you will follow Jesus, you will become wealthy, I'm sorry. That's not in this book. If someone told you that if you'll follow Jesus that all of your wildest dreams will come true, I'm sorry. It's not here. Can't find that anywhere. Does not compute. You're going to suffer. You're going to suffer. Peter said it. 1 Peter 4, 12-13. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. It says, don't be surprised, don't be caught off guard when life starts to suck, when you start to suffer, when you start to endure pain and strife. When that comes, do not be surprised. What did Jesus say? Jesus said this in John 16, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have trouble. I want you to say, I'm in the world. Say it again. Say, I'm in the world. I'm going to have trouble. But take heart. You don't have to say that part. I have overcome. I knew it was going to happen. I have overcome the world. Jesus says, you will. You will have great trouble. You will suffer. You will worry. You will be anxious. You will be burdened. You will be afflicted. It doesn't say you may. It doesn't say you might. It doesn't say if you're a good little boy or girl that you're going to be all right and you're not going to suffer. That's not in here. Jesus says, you will have trouble. It's not an option. It's going to happen. So why would anyone believe any different? Why would you believe any different? Why would you believe that Jesus is going to take all your troubles away? It's not how it works. It's not the gospel. And Paul is getting into this right here, right now, in this chapter. 
And he gives us an idea, a picture. He gives us a picture of what suffering is like. The suffering that he endured and the suffering that we endure here on earth in verse is 8 and 9. And they're popular for a good reason. And we're going to read those now. We're going to start in 7, Josh. I'm sorry. It's my bad. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. Verse 8. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. I'm going to quickly tell you some things. The Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9, says, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we've experienced in Asia. These are Paul's sufferings I'm reading to you. We're utterly burdened beyond our strength that we are despaired to life. Indeed, we have felt that we have received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely on ourselves, but on, not on ourselves, but on the God who raises from the dead. 2 Corinthians 1, Paul says, I was sentenced to death, but I barely escaped. 2 Corinthians 11, 24 through 28, Paul says this, Five times I received at the hand of the Jews 40 lashes less than one. I've been beaten with rods. I was stoned. That was with rocks, hit with rocks over and over again to try to kill him. Three times I was shipwrecked. And a night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, danger of robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. In toil and in hardship through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure and apart from the things from other things, there is the daily pressure of me, of my anxiety for all the churches. 2 Corinthians 2, 4 says, I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart with many tears, not to cause you pain, to let you know the abundant love that I have for you. The Apostle Paul has been through hell. And it don't stop. And it doesn't stop. And it keeps coming. Everywhere he goes. Everywhere he goes. Everywhere he turns. Suffering. Pain. So he writes these verses understanding where we're at, knowing where we're at, knowing that we all have this in common. We all are suffering. So he says this, if you'll put verse 8 up. He says, we're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. This is beautiful. beautiful. Afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Paul says, in every way imaginable, physically, emotionally, spiritually, pain is coming, disease Sickness, broken bones, cancer, we go on. Anxiety, depression, worry, doubt, all these afflictions, we're afflicted in every way. There's so many different types of pain that we experience, not just on the outside, but on the inside. And the Apostle Paul says, I can verify it, I understand it. We all go through these things, but as a child of God, I am not crushed. He says, but I'm not crushed. That means I'm a clay jar, I'm fragile, but because I know Christ, I don't shatter into pieces when I have pressure on my life, when I'm afflicted in every way, when I'm in pain on the outside, when I have anxiety on the inside. The Apostle Paul says, I'm not crushed. Then he goes on to say, perplexed. He talks about being perplexed. He says, I'm not baffled, or excuse me, I've been baffled, I've been puzzled. He says, I un- I, there's times I don't understand why 
I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand how this is happening, he says. I'm perplexed. I don't get it. I don't understand life. I don't understand pain. I don't understand the betrayal. I don't understand why I feel this way. I don't understand why sometimes I feel like I can't move up off the ground. I don't understand why sometimes I'm laying in my bed at night and I'm anxious and thoughts are flying through my head. I don't understand, but I'm not driven to despair. He says, I know I'm not lost, and hope hasn't left me. I've been perplexed in my mind, but I still have hope living on the inside of me. Verse 9, he says, I've been persecuted. The apostle Paul was persecuted for his faith. People were coming at him left and right to kill him. He said, I've been treated hostily, and so have you, and so will you. I've been treated wrong, and so will you. Anybody in this room been treated wrong for no good reason? Anybody, oh, oh, praise God. That's incredible. Anyway, he says, I've been treated this way, but I'm not forsaken. Everyone else at times has felt like they've abandoned me, but God, God hasn't. God hasn't left me. I haven't been deserted. And he says this, struck down, struck down. This is literal in medical. This is outward struck down, beat up, punched in the face, suffering. They left him for dead one time, and he got up and went and preached again. They stoned him. He got up, and he went and, went and preached somewhere else. That's what happened. He's been laid out on the ground, but he's metaphorically been laying on the ground. Anybody been laying on the ground with pressure, and you just can't move, or at least you feel like you can't? He says, I've been struck down, but I'm not destroyed. I'm still breathing. I'm still here. I'm still riding. I'm terminal, but I'm still breathing. I'm still alive. And I am no Paul. I am no Paul. But I stand here as a testament, as a child of God, that this is true. I've been in a lot of physical pain in my life, maybe not as much as some. I've had many broken bones, had a staph infection in my foot that like exploded my bone, caused all kinds of problems. When I was in sixth grade, I've had E. coli, that's the worst poops and stomach pain you'll ever have in your life. Don't wish that on anybody, it's terrible, look it up, it's horrible, it's horrible. I know you think it's funny, and it's, it's not, it sucked. Yeah, you don't have to look it up if you don't want. Just look up the thing, you don't have to look up the effects, or like, anyway. We needed some comic relief in here. I've broken arms, hands, fingers. It's been, been fun. I've been in a lot of back pain, too. That's, anyway, I've been, um, I've been deeply betrayed by the people closest to me. I have lost loved ones and people I care dearly about. I've been through a divorce with my parents at 22 years old, freshly married. Pulled through the middle of that, dragged in the middle of that. I've had severe anxiety and depression. I've heard, I've heard voices tell me to just finish it. I've been there, but I'm still here. I'm not crushed. I'm not dead because of the, sur- the surpassing power of God that verse 7 talks about. I'm still standing here. Paul never forgot that death was coming, but he knew he was going to suffer as long as he was on earth. 
He was going to suffer, but guess what? God still had him here for a reason. He was still breathing, and he was going to keep fulfilling the purpose that he had, God had on his life. Jars, if you have a clay pot, they cannot endure much pressure. But when they value what's on the inside, when they value the treasure, when they rely on the treasure, they can. And they cannot just endure it, but we can have and find purpose in our suffering. And that's where we conclude tonight quickly. I'm going to go as fast as I can. God gives our suffering purpose. Pain is not optional. It's coming. But God will give it purpose. God will give it purpose. He will give it purpose and it will benefit us. And it will also, if we're in Christ, it will benefit other people as well. Four things I'll say about the purpose that God gives our suffering. Number one. Our suffering causes us to depend on Christ because our strength won't cut it and other people's strength won't either. Have you ever had so much pressure that you could not cut it? That you could not take it? And have you picked up the phone to no answer? Or when they answer, it wasn't what you wanted or it wasn't what you needed? Our suffering will cause us to depend on Christ. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. This is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness. In <coughs> insults, hardships, persecution, calamities. For when I am weak... Then I am strong. Paul says, it's when I rely on the surpassing power of God that I find myself the strongness. For when I am at my weakest point, He is made strong because I'm not relying on myself. I'm not relying on anybody else. I'm relying on Him, baby, because He's all I got. He's the only one that will get me through. Number two. Number two. It points us, and these two points tie together, to Christ's strength rather than our own. When you've been through it, and God has seen you through, that ministers to you. You understand His surpassing power. But there are some people like Paul, there are some people in this room, that I know their story, and I know their suffering, and I understand that they're only here because the power of God working and active in their life. And that's a testament not only to, to, to them as individuals, but it's to everyone around them that Christ is in His power cannot be surpassed. It's unfathomable. Moving on quickly. I'm, number three. God gives purpose in our suffering. One of those purposes is it allows us to experience direct personal comfort from God. I'm going to explain that briefly. We find this in 2 Corinthians 1, 4-7. I'll read it fast. Who comforts us in all our afflictions so we might be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so th through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, 
It is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. That's where our two points, the two of the four come from, this, these verses right here. And this is what I'll say. It's a beautiful thing when God doesn't let us sustain ourselves. And there's something beautiful about, and there's something intimate about going to God and letting Him comfort you. It doesn't say He's going to take your suffering away. I don't see that anywhere. Can He? Yes. He can. There's a song that says, and it's my favorite song right now, or my top five right now today, not all time. There's nothing our God can't do. That's what the song says. That's the story of the Bible. But it doesn't say there's nothing our God won't do. And God says, you come to me and all you can think about is your suffering and your pain. And he says, I want you to lay it at my feet. I want you to talk about it. I want you to give it to me. He said, but when you come, you have to understand, I want to comfort you. I want to take your mind off of those things. I want you to give them to me, lay them at my feet, and then I want you to be comforted. I want you to hear my voice. I want you to experience my presence. I want you to let me wrap my arms around you and hold you and hug you because you're in pain and you need me. And that's what he does. He's just waiting. And we resist the very thing we need the most. And that is God. Child of God, if you're suffering and you need comfort, stop just taking your need before God. But say, God, I know who you are. I know that you're good. I know there's nothing that you can't do. And I put these things at your feet. But I ask you, oh God, I need your comfort. I need your strength. I need your peace. Would you wrap your loving arms around me right now? And he will. Here's the other beautiful thing. Number four, when we ourselves have been comforted in times of suffering, we are allowed to comfort other people when they're suffering. All those things I read off to you, I'm just scratching the surface of what I've been through, just, just tickling it. But this is the beautiful thing. Because I've been through what I've been through, and I know some of you have been through more than I have, but because of what I've been through, what I've been through, I've been able to talk to, identify with, minister to other people that have going through what I went through in the past. I'm able to give them comfort. I'm able to be a testament, say, I've been where you're at, and I'm here now. And that's a beautiful thing. Don't let the enemy take that from you. Don't let the enemy take your purpose away from your suffering. Let God... Give your suffering purpose. When it comes to the Apostle Paul, and I'm about to wrap this up, I promise. When it comes to the Apostle Paul, there's a lot of things he wanted to do that he didn't get to do. There's a lot. Read his books. He's like, I want to see you. I want to do this. I want to do that. But he was in jail. But because of his suffering... <coughs> He wrote 13 or 14 of the books that we read in the New Testament. When he wrote the letters, he didn't know they were going to be in the Bible. He didn't know that. He thought this is going to minister to hundreds, maybe thousands of people. 
But because of the Holy Spirit inspiring him, because this book was put together, he didn't just minister to hundreds and thousands of people 2,000 years ago, but instead, his letters inspired by the Holy Spirit have touched billions, literally billions of people. And that would not have happened if he did not suffer. If life would have went smooth and he would have done everything he could have done, he would have went and told these people in person and taught them everything that he wrote down. But because of his suffering, he had to put it in the letters. And because he suffered, we get to read them here today. And my life, and if you've read them, your life has been transformed and affected by his suffering. Verses 16 through 18. You know me. We're about to put a bow on it. It's the coolest bow you've ever seen in your face. Yes, thank you. We do not lose heart. Same, same chapter we've been in. Our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. We'll talk about that next week. For this light, momentary, Affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. We look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. If you could put verse 17 back up there for me. All those things that Paul went through, he writes on, he says, It's light, it's momentary in comparison to the eternal weight of glory that awaits me on the other side. I'm wasting away, I won't be here long, and I know what awaits me. And I'm going to suffer here knowing that when I go to the other side, my suffering's over. Revelation, we're going to read it, 21, 1 through 8. I saw a new heaven, this is the end of all things. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven, and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God, and will wipe away every tear from their eye. Those tears you've cried... He's going to wipe all that suffering away. You're going to forget it. Death will be no more. There will be no mourning. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Three more verses. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his son, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, the murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur which is the second death. If you're a follower of Christ, suffering has an end. It will end. 
and compared to forever, all your suffering that you will experience in this life is light and momentary. If you're a follower of Christ, your suffering has purpose. If you're a follower of Christ, this is as close to hell as you'll ever get. But those who aren't, if that's you and you don't know Christ, I'm just letting you know, your suffering lacks purpose. The suffering you're experiencing now is light compared to hell. And this is as close to heaven as you'll ever be. And I don't say that lightly. My heart breaks for you. It's a no, because I, I, I have tasted and seen the goodness of God here on earth, and I can't imagine how good it is in the next life. But I also have seen these, the effects of sin. And if this isn't even close to hell, my God, what awaits those who don't know Christ? And that's why Christ came, because He didn't want heaven without you. Because he didn't want you to be bound to the hell that you chose. But he said, I want your suffering. This is just a few reasons. I you're going to suffer, but I'm going to give your suffering purpose. And your suffering is going to be light and momentary compared to what I have for you in heaven. And thankfully, because of Jesus, this is as close to hell as you'll ever be. C.S. Lewis, I started with this. He says, God whispers to us in our pleasures. Hear me. He speaks in our consciences, but He shouts in our pain. It is His megaphone to rouse a deaf, deaf world. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Thank you for tuning in. God bless.